Due to a shitload of swearing and some graphic conversations, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Fort Mac. I'm Tito. I'm Ashkate. I'm Steve. And joining us at the Dining Room Table Studios today, a very, very special guest, live via Skype, which doesn't sound as good as via satellite. Who we got joining us? Uh, I'm in Glassman. <laughs> it's all chubby. So uh, I'm, I'm totally going to uh, introduce you. Uh, so um, a couple years back um, when I, I submitted more into Metro Shorts, I happened to uh, see... Uh, an entry one year, and um, what, I remember telling Ryan, I'm like, hey, this is just like uh, cr- Crank Anchors. And he's like, what the hell's Crank Anchors? What? And you didn't know Crank Anchors? No, well, no, I, I knew it. He no, didn't. he didn't. That's what I yeah, yeah. And, he, and I'm like, well, it's it's like, they, they it was like the Jerky Boys, but they reenacted it with uh, puppets. But the twist was that this was basically a guy who, I, I, I would only assume for perverted reasons, was co- was recording conversations without <laughs> people's permissions. And then, uh, just, reco- then uh, just reenacting it with puppets. But uh, the guy who was doing that... Uh, uh, ended up being our guest today, which is uh, Simon Glassman. And fast forward a couple of years later, he has a TV show, and uh, I was wrong. <laughs> first, first and foremost, Simon, uh, congratulations on the success of Felt Up, buddy. Oh, thanks so much. The uh, how's it been? Like how, how's it been? I guess we can we can go through the whole uh, history, but how's it been feeling like the last couple? Like because it just premiered on Bite TV within the last couple of months, right? Uh, yeah, they showed a, a nine minute prequel. Uh, which is like the story of my puppet and how he decided to go and get stories that's not based on real life. Okay. Uh, and then, then the YouTube, uh, then we're showing the 22 minute episodes in seven to eight minute clips on YouTube. Okay. Uh, until it's eventually going to premiere in the fall on by TV on actual TV. Not just YouTube TV. Yeah, you like follow up. Uh, what's that show uh, with? What's his name from SNL? Um, uh, Portlandia. Yeah, Portlandia. You follow Portlandia. Yeah, it's awesome because it's, it's like, honestly, like, like my favorite show right now. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, that's a really good show. That's a really, that, that's, that's like putting you right follow. after The Simpsons on Fox. <laughs> <laughs> no, right on. And so let's just go into the history. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so Simon, I, I've heard some of this all, already, but let's assume no one in Fort Maria has heard your story. So but if you want to just run us through exactly how you came up with the idea and how it grew. Well, hold on. Like, it, it just—I'm sure Simon knows this, but you've been screened at every one of our uh, interplay film festivals to humongous, humongous crowd reaction. Like, we—I think it was last year we showed like the full. Yeah, that, and I think one. that was like kind of your pilot, wasn't it, Simon? Because that's where you actually added the narrative between the stories, right? Yeah, that was the first time that I, I acted as the real host instead of just popping up inside of the stories as like the weird 
invisible Rod Serling's character just like <laughs> popping up when people like all these puppets are having sex. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the creep persona. But um, yeah, no, that's that. Uh, like I-, I thought that was really awesome. What? It's my puppet, my persona that I just like pop up while people are having sex because I've, I've now now that I now that I, a few of my friends have seen the show. When they're having awkward sex with people, they've mentioned that they like, <laughs> feel like, "Oh man, I want to tell this to somebody," and they almost they they mentioned that they imagine my puppet just like kind of pop. <laughs> <laughs> That's if hilarious. It goes missing. You got to do a little investigation. Yeah, mid coitus. <laughs> <laughs> See now, I think that's uh, that's your material for season two. You start going meta with your show and about people picturing your puppet showing up in the middle of it. I think that's something to be proud yeah, of. Actually, if it was actually like me, like as a human popping up when other humans are having sex. It would. I don't know if it would work. Well, well, I, I think. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm like I think that's the charm of the show as a whole. Like if you were just like people reenacting the stories, it probably wouldn't be as charming as it were with the puppets. <laughs> I would like I, I would love to just like pop up while my friends are having awkward sex and ask some questions. You don't mind if I'm <laughs> gonna take this, be... guys? Do you? Awesome. No, no, don't stop. <laughs> well, no, that's, that's but I mean like that's kind of the format of the show. It's always seems like it always like I think your original ones like you were like at the bar with your friends, right? Just recording their conversations, right? Yeah, I, I feel like I—I I don't know. There's—I I really miss the old episodes because I would be at bars or like uh, just hanging out at parties and just record them. The audios—the audio for those episodes was terrible. But at the same time, there's something like really fun and natural about people just like having beers, uh, having done like some type of drug, and then just like going off about uh, you know. Uh, Falling asleep while giving blowjobs, and I don't know what drug elicits the best story. <laughs> Did you hear that, Simon? Probably. Yeah. I don't know anybody who doesn't. That's funny. Um, well, Do we lose you, Simon? I think he's still there, Simon. I'm still here. Yeah, he's still here. Sir? I'm just smoking my cigar. Ah, there it is. I knew it. Uh, freaking big shot. Look at you smoking your cigar while doing interviews now. <laughs> Via Skype, yeah. So, I mean... You know, because I, I literally have... Uh, my girlfriend is away in Vancouver, so I, I haven't talked to anybody today. I've just been working on my, on my MacBook alone in my house. So you guys are the first people I've talked to for the entire day. And I feel like my, my talking muscles are kind of like, I don't know, I feel like I should have done some strategies, you know? <laughs> oh, you sound fine on this side, but you've always had this, like, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying this to offend you or anything, Simon, but you've always had this kind of, like, neutral voice to you. I remember the first time I met you, I'm like, this guy has so much more personality as that puppet than he does in real life. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's probably true. I mean, I feel like I really come alive when I'm the puppet. And then in real life, I'm just, I feel like, uh, yeah, more, I'm, I'm pretty boring. That's, that's like, like um, I, I don't, well, what's... Doing, doing interviews now, it's, I, I kind of realize how boring I am. <laughs> uh, what do you want to... Well, well, I want to know exactly how, how this came about, how you got the, the Byte TV deal. I'm assuming it's because of the Banff Media Festival, right? Uh, mostly, uh, there, there was it was kind of a long prog- uh, process because uh, I think right after I made the f- first three episodes, I, I submitted them to a local production company, and they said that they would they were interested in making it as a show, and then they 
uh, initially sent it to uh, the broadcaster, and the broadcaster really liked it, but they ended up, uh, I think they ended up deciding that the show was kind of impractical and it would end up costing too much money. So uh, I, I ended up kind of just waiting around for like a year, year and a half. And then I ended up submitting uh, to the Banff Media Festival, which is, I, I don't know how much you guys know about it, but it, it is, it's the biggest uh, probably television festival in North America. Oh, wow. I don't think it's the biggest in the world, but it's, it's, it's like, it's pretty high up there. And uh, it was for something called the, the International Pilots Competition. So we were in competition with people from like Denmark, uh, France, the U.S., and then and we ended up winning for the category of entertainment. Cool. And it was it was fun, and I, I got it. Yeah, it was. It, it felt like a really big deal at the time. Well, so so from from that so from that uh, Banff Media Festival is that like when you were able to get the deal from Byte TV, or did that come afterwards? Uh, it actually came right before I ended up winning the the, the competition because. I contacted the, the same broadcaster by TV that the, the other production company had contacted before, and they were like, yeah, we left like this, yeah, let's make the show. And it was it was literally like a meeting, it lasted like three or four minutes, and I, I had all these like things that I'd rehearsed and like t- telling them about how this could be like the South Park of the network and how like, how uh, just like camping uh, my show, as I thought would be, I thought I'd do like it. I thought I was going to have a pitch meeting, you know? Yeah. But we're just like, yeah, okay, let's... let's you were going show. in there acting like Don Draper? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, actually. I, I had, like, I had all these things rehearsed, and then they were just like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Well, I mean, like, I think, like, by leaps and bounds, I mean, I, I might be, uh, uh, what's it called, biased towards you, but, like, by leaps and bounds, like even by looking at the show, I'm like, this is so much better than so much other quote unquote Canadian content that we have screening right now because so much of it, so much of it is such like service to you know, oh, Canadian broadcast standards, so we have to feature this and this and that. And yours is just like, hey, we're made in Edmonton, which it happens to be the city where all these stories come from, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, but having having to sort of, I, I'm not sure how much CanCon is really involved in shows, but definitely like uh, for shows on like the CBC or CTV, they have to have a character who's a Mountie or, or like a maple syrup maker or like a, a beaver playing hockey to, to really like satisfy Canadian content. I think it's like 35%. Uh, your show needs to be 35% Canadian content. However that's measured, I got no idea. So, so that's not a factor that they even told you or mentioned when you were getting your show set up, or what? No, no. I mean, I, I never even occurred to me how to have Simon Puppet, Simon Puppet be like a, a beaver with like a, <laughs> wearing like a maple leafs jersey or anything. It'd be so I, I think that sometimes, a lot of the times, that that ends up coming down to the, like the executive producers and really like whether they want to. They, they're like, we're a Canadian show; we have to broadcast it to the world. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, it comes down to grant funding too. I think in order to apply for some of that, uh, whatever you need to get for government grants, it's got to be. Oh, well, do you have your can con your can con 
qualifications, which is whatever amount, which I think is like 35%. Like you said, your show would have to be basically the Simon Puppet in a fucking Toronto Maple Leafs jersey just talking normal to the screen, which I think is just beyond stupid. You know what I mean? Like, if that's what this is what the show is, in order for you to get grant funding from the federal government, I should shouldn't have to be. Well, I, I don't think that was even a concern for uh, for your show there, Simon, because it sounds like you were just good to go with uh, Bite TV. Yeah, I, I was really surprised because I wasn't expecting uh, our executive producers or for the network to want something more Canadian. But like, I'm Canadian. Everybody who works on the show is Canadian. Exactly. Like, I it could it couldn't be more Canadian, but it's just because we're not, you know, uh, really overt with it. I feel like. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like the show is better uh, not being clearly Canadian. No, yeah. Which is also uh, here. I it think. makes it more no, universal. I was going right? to say, maybe it's run by clearly Canadian in the background, but at least it doesn't have to be on screen with the product placement. Well, I, I see what I, you're I, saying. And, and, like, I mean, my understanding, like, I mean, obviously we know a lot of the same uh, circle, Simon, and, like, for the last half year, like, a lot of the people that I've been talking to, they're like, yeah, we're, we're doing Simon's show and all this stuff. So, like, how much involvement did Byte TV outside of, like, so were they, like, just pick whoever you want to work on your show, or did they basically have to screen everyone that you brought on board? I thought that, I thought for sure, just as you were introing that, you are going to be like, yeah, everyone I talk to is like, I'm doing Simon's show, so basically what I'm asking is, when are we going to do it? <laughs> I'm not that petty. <laughs> Does anybody have any funny sex stories that they want to have dramatized with puppets? Oh, is that, is that what it was? You were just like, do you guys have funny sex stories I can share? Or are you legit asking us? No, I'm asking you guys right now. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, pass. Triple X podcast! Oh, it's happened. Uh, no, but when we, it came down to like uh, like hiring Mike Robertson. Uh, he directed the host segments with me and Tim McCoola, who's we're both like big big rapid fire guys and former Murray boy Robertson he's, he's a hilarious comedian in town he's in Toronto now mm-hmm. uh, my my DP and, and camera guy Lindsay Robinson who I've been working with for the last like four years everything was like we, we were basically running like a, a very very low budget TV show as a web series so like everything sort of we, I, I'd already been making plans for I don't know, probably years before we actually ended up getting a contract. That's cool, man. Like, um, uh, so, 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 uh, I guess my question is: so, Byte TV basically said this is your budget, and you go ahead and get your own crew, or like, I guess my question how is: involved how, how involved were they? You said that they were the executive producers. Were there any other people that they brought in on your production? Oh, um, well, I, I, I should mention that we were also part of Westwind, which is. Uh, it's a it's a production coming out of Toronto that uh, they they produce shows like, like well our, our our executive producer Anton Leo he produced like just for laughs uh, uh, Shane Corkery he right here he was a producer for Little Mosque on the Prairie oh, right. like they uh, they there was a we had a production company to sort of act as the adults on our show and mm-hmm. say like oh you actually don't have money for that and then I, I would be sad because of, you know, <laughs> it was little money. <laughs> That's oh, that that must be so weird for like just have someone come in and you're like, hey, I want to do this shot, and they're like, no, no, you can't do that, Simon. <laughs> oh, no, it, they, it didn't act like that. It was uh, they they really didn't sort of act like the adults because like none of nobody uh, for, uh, nobody who I hired in Edmonton had worked on a television show before, 
but I mean, I, I you always hear those horror stories about like uh, executive producers coming in and changing things and making it uh, different or adding beaver puppets. Yeah, like the famous and, studio horror stories, right? Yeah, and that, that was kind of my nightmare. And I feel like if we'd gone with the production company that we were recorded by earlier, uh, after I made like three videos, I feel like they would have just kind of taken it over and it would have been, it would have had beaver puppets in it, you know? <laughs> uh, these guys were, uh, the folks in Toronto and West One, they were actually, they, they were unbelievable. Like, they were, I mean, all of them are super funny and they, they had decades more experience than I did. And, like, they knew how to run a television show, so it was, like, I don't know. When I say adults, I mean, like, in the good sense. Like, they, they loved uh, all the puppets coming on each other and, like, all the, the butt sex. Uh, and, really, there, I don't think there was any instance where they were, like, no, I, I'd rather not see that puppet shit in. <laughs> well, like, uh, you can you can really tell the difference in the production value. Like, I mean, it, it's a simple enough setup, but you've, like, I was uh, I was going to mention that uh, the one that just screened today about technology and everything, like, that was really cool how you had the Simon Puppet interacting within the, what was it called, uh, Plenty of Felt website? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I was, so yeah. Funny. yeah I, was, I was super proud of that. Simon Puppet just, like, you see his profile picture, then you realize Simon Puppet is like a weird pervert by the end. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, well, like I mean, you even have like those segments at the end. Like uh, I think the first episode had him boxing, kind of like almost like a Rocky type thing at the end. And then the second uh, episode ends with like this kind of Matrixy thing going on. It's really cool. Like the cinematography has gotten really, really tight on that show. And you know, I, I, like you have so much freedom because of the fact that like you're creating your own world, right? Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I hope that came across. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I, I respect your opinion on uh, matters of cinematography, Tito. So uh, that means a lot to me. I, but I can't really take too much credit for it because uh, Lindsay Robinson was the director of photography for the show, and I mean, he's, he's been my uh, my like creative partner and my buddy for you know years. And uh, yeah, I, I, I would say that it, he takes most of the credit for the the look of the show now well like i mean i remember at one point like uh i saw your storyboards oh right because jesse jesse nash worked on it right on your show yeah man yeah and he showed i I, I like jesse nash you you don't like or you like jesse nash (laughs) oh no no i love jesse nash Awesome. Unequivocally. That's awesome because he showed me some of your storyboards and they looked amazing. <laughs> you know, the ones that you told never to show anybody? Well, yeah, no, no, because uh, I, was, I was hanging out with them and, and they were uh, he was reviewing Wait, some... He was showing you confidential pre-production. <laughs> <laughs> that never happened. Said, said, the guy, said the guy who posted his pilot episode at four in the morning unlocked on Vimeo. <laughs> uh, that was so funny. I'm like... Uh, I, what's that? Whoever that guy is, I know. Hey, eh? uh, thank. If you hadn't tipped me off by liking that video, I I was gonna, I was very nervous that I did that. Uh, I, I, yeah, thanks, Tito. I, I well, hope you enjoyed it. it. It was it was never an intentional thing. I was just like, because uh, I, I got up really early, right? So I'm checking all my shit, and it's like on the Vimeo feed. It's like it shows up, and I'm like. Oh, so I watched. I'm like, wow, this is really awesome. So I liked it, and then I get to my office and I get this message from you. It's all panicked. It's like you were not supposed to see that. 
and yeah, uh, you weren't supposed to see that, but <laughs> I'm glad that you did. And because uh, I was actually uh, that nine minute prequel thing, I was actually uh, hearing you say nice things about it made me feel a little bit more confident about it because uh, I, I, it's not. Like I'm, I'm happy with the whole show, but I, I that that was one piece that I was I was a little bit nervous about. So you know what? It turned into a good thing. So thank you, Tito, for stealing my show illegally. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it was opportunistic. Pars- it was opportunistic. Well, no, but like I see at all levels. <laughs> yeah. But well, going back to uh, seeing the storyboards, like you, um, uh, the guys here at the table may or may not know this. But Simon's a very talented artist, and like the caricature st- artist. Well, yeah, and the storyboards, like, it, it, like I suck at. So- you guys know the, the, these people here at the table have worked with me, and I can't storyboard with sh- worth shit. So I just do very, very detailed shots list that makes sense to only me. And so that's my favorite. Yeah, that's funny. I was telling you when I was talking production with someone, and I'm sure I'm trying to make myself up to be fucking a lot more than what I actually am. And he, I was just like, so you're doing a production, so what's your shots list? He's like, shots list. I was like, yeah, you know, your shots list, like, what, how exactly the camera's set up and what it's going to look like, and he started showing me these pictures. I'm like, no, no, give me your shots list. <laughs> and he's just like, the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah, so, but, but I mean, uh, your your uh, storyboards look exactly like what's on the screen, and it's, like, it's really, really impressive. Uh, I think we were looking at the, st- I think he was showing me the storyboard for... I think it's the story, the John Mick one about... No, no. Was it the John Mick one? No, no, no. It's someone... No, not the puking. Uh, so, oh, the hole and the fisting. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that, that's not John Mick. That's uh, Craig Martell. Yeah, yeah. By the way, that was an amazing shot, too. I can't... I don't know. How did you pull that off? How did you get the hole? Did you guys just, just make, like, a felt hole? <laughs> <laughs> just made a felt hole. Makes but, sense. Uh, I guess you should, we should just... Uh, describe what that what is going on in that scene. I'll just leave that to Tito. Okay, so there's one story, and and I, it hasn't premiered. I don't know if you've done it yet for the actual uh, new series, but in the original series, uh, which was the let's call it Year Zero, um, in the years in the Year Zero, <laughs> the alternate timeline, exactly. Um, so so there's a story by Craig, and what happens is he's uh, he's involved with a girl, and they're getting more adventurous in bed, and she kind of takes the initiative, and uh, the, you know the whole finger play thing. Yeah, she takes yeah. it a little too far, and next thing you know, he's getting fisted by his partner, and it's shot in like a first person view from his asshole's perspective. <laughs> so it's pretty amazing the shot that they come up with, and like it's so good. It made me laugh so much. <laughs> I think to describe it, I feel like I, like our show's really silly. I just I, it just dawned on me that our show is like really, really. It's actually that sounds kind of stupid, actually. Oh, no, silly is <laughs> a good word for it, though. I learned from Monty Python long ago. It's silly is what you want to go yeah, for. Yeah, stupid's definitely not the word. It's silly, and I think that's the it's it's charming is what's about it. And uh, yeah, yeah this is not a, a, a show. Well, if you think about it, that story, if, if you had told it any other way, it would probably actually gross people out instead of making them laugh. Because we screened that one at last year's uh, Interplay uh, Film so Festival, and people were howling. Like, it was like we had <laughs> older people had tears in their eyes, uh, yeah. crying, laughing how funny think, they found it. I think my mom came in to the film festival during that, actually, and she's like, she's like, what's going on? And then it, like, like uh, this, like, well, cause, like she's like, what are we watching? Well, it's interesting because I think, uh, like, I, and, I, and I totally mean this as a compliment to you, Simon. I think you achieved what Meet the Feebles couldn't. 
Because, like, Meet the Feebles tried to kind of make it charming through, like, these, like, oh, my God, the rabbit's got AIDS and stuff. Yeah. But, like, it ended up being kind of a bit of a gross out as opposed to being kind of funny and cute. Whereas, like, you kind of, you tread that line very nicely. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, uh, and I apologize to, as uh, your, your mom, because that's that's <laughs> horrifying that you're, she had to watch that. <laughs> uh, I have to apologize a lot of mums recently. No, oh, well, no, she went once because she came in like during that part, right? I guess, and she's like, "What are you?" What, Should have been there this, at the beginning. What is this about? Yeah, because she just yeah, came to see the forty hours. It's not gross at all. <laughs> so, so now that like it's being screened, and I guess I'm assuming that Bite TV kind of has control of like the schedule and all that stuff. So, what's the plan now? Do you just sit and wait and see what they say about it for to see if they renew you, or is it a one-time thing? Put your feet up, suck on those cigars, let the money roll in. I thought you were gonna say yeah, all of the money that, that I have. In, yeah, <laughs> I, I have no money, but I, that that sounds like a that sounds very. I would love to be doing that. It does. It looks like it looks pretty good that we'll end up getting a season two. Uh, I'm. I mean, I'm hoping. Uh, we've we've talked about it before, but I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if uh, Canada really even has like a Nielsen rate. I'm pretty sure that we don't. So uh, actual television views, I I don't know how much that means. Yeah, uh, but I. It kind of leads me to think that maybe the online views will end up being uh, uh, sort of indicating whether we end up getting a second season or not. Well, it, it kind of it, like I mean, I like how they've partitioned it, where it's it, it can either be four or five uh, internet episodes or one television uh, half hour, right? Like it, it's actually really well done. I, I like I like how they're presenting it right now. So I hope you got you actually get the views. Like felt up on uh, on the original YouTube channel uh, did pretty well, didn't it? I, it did okay. I mean, uh, one of my friends described it as viral a few, like a few days ago at a party, and I, I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't describe it as being really viral. Like eventually, like uh, we ended up getting a few more views uh, just over the course of time, uh, but it never like it never skyrocketed. I think the the highest view video is like maybe a hundred thousand, which is like I mean that's awesome, but like a hundred thousand people saw the video. Over uh, time, at the same right? Time, like in internet, but I was like, I was looking at New Direction music videos today by myself, and I noticed <laughs> that they had like forty-five million views. So I don't know. I think relative, at least relative to New Direction, we were we were still like we're still. You know, well, well, it's it's not healthy to compare yourself to New Direction, really. So. <laughs> Well, then why can't I stop doing it? Yeah. I, I don't know. You a screaming teenage well, fan well, base, um, maybe. But no, like, that's where you, you sit there and you try to figure out, define viral. You know what I mean? Like, everyone talks about these viral videos. Like, there's fucking cat videos with, like, 2.5 million hits. And, and they're, like, like, 20 seconds long. Well, yeah. I'm just like, why? How? I don't understand. Like, are these people, like, coming from what we've done with our shit and how much... How much basically ad money we had to pay just to get fucking five hundred or five thousand hits for uh, the first catalog? Yeah, like, yeah, is this what these people are doing? I just don't understand. Like I've seen how quickly uh, Arkham Rising extended, uh, but that was a, a but it, uh, that was a very wide subject matter that interests a lot of people in pretty good time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I just don't see how some of the stuff reaches that viral. Well, I mean, look at videos like Gangman Cell, right? Like that. But that's a song. I can get but that. Then you go on on YouTube, and there will be like the full film version of, of Ghostbusters, and it'll have like twenty views. Yes. So, like, it, it's like 
I don't know. I, as much as like, I, I'd like to think that it's like completely democratic uh, now with the internet and what's good and what people kind of pass on. At the same time, it's like uh, it's it's usually just videos that people can watch while they're working in their office mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that end up end up doing really well. I think it's whatever lands on that that YouTube splash page because I found myself doing it more than a few times. Is YouTube.com and I'm about to search something and then I look and then I see something that catches my eye and then that's where my flow starts at, at that point. You know what I mean? I, yeah. So so going back to uh, your your uh, your uh, your relationship with Byte TV. So what what happens with Felt Up once like say for example you're done your run uh, with it on Byte TV. Do they do they get the option of it, or is it still your property to do with it with what you want with it? Uh, I don't, I don't want to get too much into the, the legal part of that stuff, uh, but I, at uh, at a certain point, the rights do revert to me, and then uh, if Byte TV no longer wants to make it, then I, maybe I'll be free to, to make it by myself. Or if it's sold internationally, then uh, I'll have to maybe wait a little bit. Actually, I, I should just not talk about this. Okay, fair enough, fair <laughs> well, enough. It's, I was going to bring up kind of uh, that, that reminds me a bit of the production of Greg the Bunny, where it jumped to a few different homes, but certain characters specifically weren't able to come because Fox held onto the rights because they were created while it was under their contract, right? Well, I, I just I just feel like a show like uh, Felt Up uh, would have like a really good home on, like, say, the Adult Swim, right? Like, it, it, like, it seems to fit that format really mm-hmm. well. So I don't know. I I just don't know what your well, plans are. One, one thing for the I future. Mean, it is like it is a dream to be. I mean, uh, Byte TV only has rights to the Canadian version of or the Canadian uh, to show felt up in Canada, and so you know, I mean, there's a possibility that it could be distributed internationally, or we could be shown in England or the U.S. or Australia or Japan. Or we could just uh, give the rights to Japan to make their own felt up. That'd be amazing. Japanese felt up. That would be fucking crazy. Could you imagine how much, yeah, how much more messed up their stories would be? <laughs> oh, I just got this image of like an Asianized Simon puppet. <laughs> but like an Asianized Simon puppet and a girl holding out like an octopus to him and he's like, no. You should do that on your own, Simon. <laughs> That's an episode right there. You describe it. It sounds terrifying. <laughs> well, I, I, I wanted to ask, how did you come up with the idea of the roommate or is that just something that you collaborated with uh, with the uh, other with the rest of the team. I know that I I kind of was thinking even for the the film version that I might have like a, another character who's just like constantly running me down and insulting me while the while I'm trying to host. Uh, but yeah, I it, it really ended up uh, the character and uh, those host segments that you saw. Uh, those were all directed by Mike, and he was kind of my main creative collaborator uh, for collaborator collaborator uh, for uh, actually writing the episodes. Uh, all the stuff that's not story based. Huh. Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, how did did you like that guy? Uh, he's I, like that uh, the comedian who portrays him. I think is like I don't know. He's one of my favorite people, but I'm not sure. If, well, no, I I, th- I think it's like really good because otherwise it's just like this. Like I said, like uh, with the first time ever I ever saw Felt Up, I'm like this Simon puppet is really creepy. So if anything, you're just kind of like you're you, the roommate is such a jerk that you kind of feel bad for Simon. So you're just like, oh poor Simon, he's got to put up with this asshole all the time. So no wonder he's got his little issues with socializing. <laughs> he's got- no wonder he likes to just creep in on people having awkward sex. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's a. Uh, 
I didn't know Simon Puppet came across as creepy. I always found him like charming and adorable. Well, like, 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 he's he's adorable when he's in the sto- when he's uh, what's it called when he's uh, following up on the stories, right? But like, yeah. if you take it out of context. Yeah, if you take it out of context, he's just like this guy that's just there when people are having sex or telling embarrassing <laughs> stories. And he's kind of pushy, too. <laughs> he's kind of an asshole sometimes, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I've started to get more pushy when I'm, I'm just, like, getting I'm getting the interviews where, like, people are telling me the stories and they don't want to say something. I, I end up being, yeah, just a, a little bit pushier than I was initially. Because, like... Honestly, like the hardest part of the show is just getting people to say the things uh, that happened to them because, like, very few people want to like go revisit all of these terrible memories. <laughs> it's gotta be liberating at some point. But no, uh, that's a valid question. Like, do you have a hard time generating the content? Uh, getting the stories. Yeah, I guess like getting the stories and coming up with the idea. Well, I guess your ideas come from the stories that people give you. So it's got to be like at one point you're gonna have it might come up as a block. You're gonna have run out of ideas, right? Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but at the same time, I, I now that I more people know about the show, I get more emails from from different folks. Yeah, so, as, that's uh, true. It, Good point. As the show becomes like twenty-four episodes, or it's going to be twenty-four webisodes of the show that are going to be shown on YouTube and on the TV website. Uh, those were all like all those people were like I was friends with before I started doing felt up for the most part, and so like getting their stories was really easy because they're all pretty comfortable with me. I like in the instances where I've had to sit down with like a stranger and get get into. Uh, and interview them and get them to tell their stories. It's like I don't know. It's a, it's a little bit less comfortable, you know, because you want to you want to hang out with your buddies and they're you're kind of okay with just pushing them or needling them a little bit. When it's a stranger, you're not sure like where your boundaries are. Yeah, and some of the charm in the show is just the fact that like it, it, it's you know you you hear your both yourselves and yourself and the person you're interviewing are kind of like giggling to yourselves as you're trying to get through the story, right? And that's kind of part of the humor too, right? Yeah, totally. Do you guys want to hear a, a funny story about getting felt up interviews? Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah, totally. So uh, I was like, uh, during the show, I was, I, it was like a mad dash because we had like just like a few weeks of pre-production before we had to shoot. And so right up till like the last week before we were actually in production, I was, I was looking for stories from like anyone. I, I, I called, I, I almost, yeah, I, I talked to a lot of people, including my mom at one point, about getting different like. <laughs> Stories. And I ended up calling one of my ex-girlfriends, and I, I just thought like she I don't know she's she has re- she's a really good storyteller and she's really funny, and I got her to tell the story, and then midway through I realized that it was about me. <laughs> oh. oh, burn! That's the that is the best. It's, it's all recorded, so like you could actually like hear me. It's slowly dawning on me that what. Like I'm, I'm actually having a visual right now of the Simon Puppet's mouth slowly opening <laughs> as she's yeah. revealing. I just like uh, it's never like, nobody's ever gonna see that at, or I won't say never, but I really never want to show anybody. Oh that god, one, that's hilarious! Like, I came up like so a huge well, jerk. You could you could have it revealed, not show who this 
mysterious figure is in the story as she's telling it, and, and then, then it's suddenly Simon. it's Simon. <laughs> I, I, I've told this to everybody who works on the show, and they've all been begging me to give them the audio just so they, they can hear it and they can come up with all the like these cool ideas to convince me to use it on the show. Well, it sounds like if you ever if you ever get to the point where you like want to end the show, that would probably be like the the, <laughs> the, last the end capper right there too. Oh, we actually, I. I won't say what it is, but not unlike J.K. Rowling's, I came up with the final episode for Felt Up ever uh, <laughs> during the pre-production of uh, this past season. I, I'm not, I can't go into it, but it's going... If we end up making it, it will be amazing. <laughs> I look forward to that already. <laughs> well, do you, but I don't at the same so, time. So now that you've got kind of got this deal with Bite TV and you're a big hotshot hot with your cigars and shit... Um, so I di- associate my like two dollars cigarellos with some type of success. Because <laughs> I, I promise you, Pe- what, people, what, people didn't see, even buy what the audience, what the audience didn't see because we're on Skype and of course it's a podcast. What the audience didn't see before we when we first got Simon on Skype, it was cigars. It was a huge mound of blow. It was puppets <laughs> everywhere. Showgirls, Vegas yeah. style, being shooed out of the room very violently um, yeah. on Bite TV. <laughs> well, no, what I was going to ask is. So are are you developing a relationship with Byte TV where you might actually have, I guess, an opening to maybe start something other than Felt Up at this point? Um, I, I I haven't talked to them about anything like that. I mean, I, it would it would really have to be something that I was uh, really in love with. I mean, I, I that we have executive producers on the show from Westwind, mm-hmm. and they work on multiple shows. But like, I mean, as a a de facto showrunner for Felt Up, it leaves me very little time to think about other stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, these past, like, three weeks of not working on the show, because we, we just wrapped... Uh, sorry. Editing and uh, packaging and all the all the, all the the little needly, boring parts of, of making film. Uh, just, like, yeah, very, very shortly ago. So I, I literally... I don't know what to do with myself uh, now. So maybe, maybe I don't know. Do you have a good show that you want to you want to pitch to me? Oh no, I, I'm terrible at writing. So <laughs> I mean, uh, I about well, these four guys that review movies on the yeah, web. There you go. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, already done. You're already Simon. <laughs> But um, uh, no, I was just wondering because like this is this is a world that's completely alien to me in the fact that like you're kind of the guy that crossed the line. You went over like the he only made it. the only well, no the only other person that I know that's actually been able to kind of make it as it were uh, would be uh, Tyler McIntyre and John Negropontis, right? Who have who like they're now working in Los Angeles, right? But like I mean that, that's you know it's never what, what, uh, what, I guess um, I'm not trying to downplay it, but like when I talk to guys like like them they're kind of like they downplay it right they're like well it's not it's you know it's just doing the same shit we were always yeah, I'm, doing. I'm a huge scale yeah, now working. i'm not gonna downplay it at see all. come on so, i mean you've got you've got to build it up so that we we strive to get there too and then i can have two dollar cigarellos <laughs> don't, don't know what like to do with yourself <laughs> that's besides the point <laughs> They're not Hollywood mansions, Simon, okay? I don't want to make it in real estate. I want to make it in Hollywood. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really happy to have a show, and the idea of having more than one show and just totally be like the J.J. Abrams of uh, <laughs> the TV show, like, that would that'd be great. I love how we started the Skype conversation with you bashing J.J. Abrams, and then we're just like, let's go full yeah. circle and say that I want to be him. <laughs> 
I, I was going to ask you, in terms of distribution rights and screening rights, are you allowed to allow Felt Up to be screened at film festivals, or is that just Bite TV exclusive now? Go back to the legal stuff. You know, the stuff you don't want to talk about. <laughs> well, no. I'm asking because we got a film festival coming. Fair enough. Uh, well, it, it does kind of depend on the film festival. Like, uh, we were able to, uh, I was able to show a couple of videos for uh, something in Toronto and uh, traveling. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a traveling film festival in Alberta called uh, Prairie Tales. Yep. That we're part of. And the, the, uh, we just had to ask the network. So. If, you, if you're interested in having us maybe play your festival, I, I would definitely, I would, and, as, and I would love to do that. I just have to talk to the network and our executive producers. Yeah, that's cool, man. I'll, they I'll, seem I'll, pretty cool. Yeah, they, they seem like rad guys. Blaze a little or something. <laughs> totally chill, our executive producers. No, um, are, I was just gonna go ahead. Uh, I was gonna ask: Are you still gonna be judging for uh, um, Metro next season? Oh, I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, it really it depends on the, the mostly water guys. I mean, I, I love doing that. Uh, yeah, you, you you're really good at it too, man. Hey, thank you. I, I appreciate that. You're tough but fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's really no nobody really likes judging other people's stuff in front of that person. Uh, but at the same time, it's like uh, I, I I I I much prefer uh, just being honest about it and. Well, no, it's it's. I totally agree with you on that part. Like, you're right. No one wants to slant. Like, no one wants to say negative comments to people. But it's up to the filmmaker. If that's what it is, or constructive criticism, it's up to the filmmaker to take that as well, but, constructive criticism. But the, yeah, but build I mean, off it, right? but I, I would I would argue like that's how you get good, though, right? Like, if mm. you kind of have to be a little bit humbled before you kind of start, you know, analyzing what you could improve in your own work, right? So, like, that's what I was going to get at. Is I think Metro Shorts is really good as a tool for. For emerging filmmakers, uh, I know I've learned a lot from it. So no, that's that. Yeah, I, I think actually, it's awesome. I'd you. say that uh, you're not everybody takes the the criticism of the judges, uh, and and actually learns from it or tries to improve their work from you uh, from what they say. But you're you're actually one of the filmmakers who I think really listens to what people have to say about your films and then sort of change your filmmaking accordingly. Which Thanks, man. I, I never did because I do the same fucking thing every time that I was uh, submitting to Metro. And yet you have a TV show. <laughs> oh, well, like, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I appreciate the sentiment, Simon. That's no, the soundbite I mean for the that. end of the episode. I, I honestly think like Metro has ended up being sort of like a second film school for a lot of people who are submitting there. Yeah, yeah. Well, even uh, the what's it called, Angela and um, Ashley, like their their stuff has gone really, really good since they started at Metro. Is that Goat Smash? Yeah. Well, they separated now. They're, they they used to be yeah. They, it's not the two. They used girls to be Elephant Shoe, and then like the I don't know what happened, but anyway, both their stuff is uniquely different and uniquely good now. So yeah, it's it's really it's interesting to see everybody sort of develop uh, as the years go on because I don't know how long you've been doing it, but it's been like. Uh, geez, probably like three years of going to uh, Metro regularly as like a, a submitter and a judge. Yeah, like, man, every everything that I saw this season ended up impressing me. Like uh, your guys' film was really great. You had really awesome production value. Uh, I I think let's see, Daryl Murpa I think is like I don't know. He ended up being sort of. Uh, 
to me. He's just like a, he's a one man crew. He does everything himself. And yeah, and he's got a really like specific vision too. I really admire that in him. He's got like really good storytelling skills. Yeah, he knows where to put the camera. Uh, did you you weren't there for the uh, the guys from Tales from the Lobby? But their film ended up just like blowing my dick off. Yeah, no, I, I've seen their work. I'm a big fan of their work. I think those guys are the, immensely talented. The piano one? Uh, no, those are the guys that uh, they, they did the Cinecoop thing this year. Oh, right. right, they, right, right. They, yeah, it, it's it, – no, they're, they're amazingly talented and it's all shoestring budget and everything and you, you've got to have respect for that. So Yeah, just like old school 80s horror with practical effects and it was just like it – was, it's fucking unbelievably well done. And yeah. then uh, – well, so we should mention Ryan Byrne because he's probably listening and jerking off. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Byrne, I have so much respect for him because, like, I, 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 I'm not sure if he's told you this, Simon, but, like, me and him went to high school together, right? So I've known Ryan for a very long time. And I, it's, like, really awesome seeing how he's become such, like, not just, like, an indie darling, but, like, an Edmonton personality. He got nominated for that Yegi Award this past year, which I think is huge. Yeah, totally. His Twitter uh, Yeah, he's, he's really developed himself as, like, a real comedic persona. Yeah. So, like, do, you, do you guys all follow his Twitter feed? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't follow me back, and it pisses me off. What is well, he, he did, did I tell you that story, Simon? So, so Ryan got really pissed off at One Metro because I submitted <laughs> I submitted um, uh, the, the short uh, spoof where uh, Todd's in it with uh, the actress uh, Misty Oaks, and, and one of the judges was like, Oh, uh, it's like, wow, Ryan looked very different in that short of yours. <laughs> and, like, all you hear in the back of the theater is, like, fuck, <laughs> from Ryan. <laughs> so he, he, I think he's got, like, some sort of a grudge against Todd for being, like, the Fort McMurray Ryan, which is technically who Ryan is anyway. Me. So. <laughs> Winter me. <laughs> it's pretty hilarious, I think. So... Uh, you don't. You don't. You think he's mad about it, or you think he's still mad about it? Well, I, and like I, I kind of like. I mean, I, I would hope that he's not, but I know Ryan. He can kind of hold grudges if he wants to. So, yeah. Well, Ryan's great, though. No, I love him. He, I love him like a brother. He's his awesome. fucking shorts are. I love like Lost Hero. I absolutely loved. Uh, that one skit he was in with, I think it's Daryl Murpaw. Yeah, yeah, from... That, that is fucking gold. Oh, my God. Him People and... that touch your food is awesome. Like, uh, <laughs> he, the dude's talented. No, he, he's like, an amazing writer. He can hold a grudge all he wants. The dude's talented, man. <laughs> I really want to really see his uh, stand-up. I'm, uh, like, I travel a lot, and unfortunately I haven't gotten the chance to see it, but like, I think he'd be amazing as a stand-up comedian. Yeah, because his whole life is like a performance. <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a good way, right, Simon? Yeah, and, I, and like, mostly. <laughs> Just, you know, take it however you want. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Simon. Uh, I want to get into how me and you met in a little bit here. But uh, do you have any advice, say, for, like, three guys and a girl that are trying to uh, better themselves? Come up with an awkward sex story to share with you? <laughs> <laughs> three guys and a girl? <clears throat> What's that? Uh, no, I'm just saying, like, uh, like, like Tito mentioned earlier, you you made that leap. Like, you now actually have uh, a TV show on on a network. And do you have any advice for anyone that's trying to do, like, trying to better themselves in the film industry? Um, let me see. I mean, for me, it, it was uh, I submitted to a lot of festivals, which was a big deal. Uh, like, it just it ended up being just a lot of work, and I. 
I don't know. I ended up treating it like a job when it wasn't my job, and uh, that I, that's why we were able to just make more content than a lot of. Uh, well, we weren't able to make a ton of content, but we were able to make content, and that was that's really what broadcasters are looking for: is like finished, complete content. Uh, and then they can say, "All right, this is completely done." So I'm, I'm, I want this to be on my my network. But I mean, honestly, I think it's it's. Uh, did you guys ever? Have you guys listened to Patton Oswalt's keynote speech at Just for Laughs? No, I. Uh, it's interesting. He he writes a letter to the creative and the content creators, and then another uh, another letter to the gatekeepers. Uh, the people who run networks and who run studios and that kind of thing, where like you, know, you have the power that Orson Welles did in your iPhone, and you could you could make, you could you could make anything right now with just an iPhone, like any type. You can make a full TV show, and really, like all that technology is in your phone right now. Uh, the same stuff that Orson Welles did when he was making Citizen Kane, uh, or equal to. And then, really, like, the gatekeepers are not going to... I mean, they're freaking out right now. Where they, they feel like they're going to become obsolete, like, very, yeah. very quickly. And so, like, he, he was just saying that, like, ultimately it comes down to how what you want to do. And uh, also, to the, uh, to the gatekeepers, that their jobs are going to... You, you have to be fans of the work that is coming out and actually be paying attention because ultimately, like in a few years, they might end up being completely obsolete. I'm truly humbled and proud and, as I just said, very intimidated uh, giving this year's keynote address. Uh, there are way better uh, comedians, way sharper uh, comedic minds here at this festival uh, right now. Uh, luckily for me, uh, none of them could be bothered to wake up before 1 p.m. So, and really, is there a better time to talk about comedy than 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday? No, there's not. So, welcome everyone to the 2012 keynote address, or as I'm calling it today, sushi for breakfast. Uh, we've had a very controversial year in comedy. Uh, this year we've opened up discussions about uh, the appropriateness of rape jokes, uh, talked about the role of gender in comedy, about the importance of accepting yourself uh, and your audience, no matter you know, what your race, creed, or sexual orientation is, and who better to cover all of that than a straight white male? <laughs> the comedy community finds itself in a strange place right now, and you can tell how weird things are because... People are referring to us as the comedy community. That is how fucked up things are right now. Uh, but no matter what I say today, the important thing is that comedy bloggers misconstrue it. I'm really hoping that you just... Right now, a, a blogger is writing a post with the headline, Oswald condones rape for gay sushi chefs. I know... That is happening as we speak. So, I was asked to do a tight five, so in the spirit of stand-up comedy, I'm going to do 20. <laughs> Look, I'll be honest. Th th this is one of the most intimidating gigs I've ever done because I know that no matter what I say up here and no matter how well I say it, 
almost all of you is going to be thinking, oh, I could have done that so much funnier right there. That <laughs> blew it. Um, so what I've done instead, instead of just giving a, a speech, I've written two letters, all right? Uh, first letter is to all of the comedians in the room, and the second one is going to be to the gatekeepers, all right? And all this is going to make sense when I'm done, I hope. I hope all this comes together. So here we go. <clears throat> Dear comedian in 2012, how are you? I'm good. In answer to your last letter, yes, the mozzarella sticks at the Irvine Improv do taste weird. I'm taking your advice and sticking with the nachos. Hey, you know what I was thinking the other day? Everything I know about succeeding as a comedian and ultimately an artist is worthless now, and I couldn't be happier about that. Let me be very clear when I say everything I know, all right? Because I started doing stand-up in the summer of 1988, and oh boy, that was a... That was a different time, wasn't it? Joe Piscopo was president. (laughs) Mary Lou Retton won the Cold War. And Andy Kindler turned 50. (laughs) So, when I say, by the way, I'm going to, oh, if I hadn't popped that goddamn pee, that Joe Piscopo joke would have annihilated. Don't you? Oh, where's where's the nylon stocking over this? Can I do this We Are the World style, really? When I say everything I know about succeeding as a comedian is worthless, I know what I'm talking about because everything I know became worthless twice in my lifetime, right? The first time all my knowledge about stand-up went down the shitter was the evening of May 22, 1992. I've been doing stand-up almost four years at that point, and that was, as you all know, most of you know, Johnny Carson's last ever Tonight Show. And up until that night... The way that you made it in comedy was very clear, very simple, very straightforward. You went on Conan. Conan. Carson. Oh, my fucking handwriting. (laughs) I was very prescient even then that you had. This doesn't mean a lot right now. Trust me. It'll mean something very soon. You went on Carson. Oh, what if I should just say Carson Daly? Come on, let's really... You went on Carson, you killed, you got called over to the couch, and the next day, you had your sitcom, you had your mansion, you'd been made. That's how you did it. Everyone knew that, all right? You can just, just ask Drew Carey, ask Jerry Seinfeld and Ellen DeGeneres and Bill Clinton. That's how you did it, all right? <laughs> but now, Johnny was gone, and he wasn't coming back, and all the comedians that I remember starting out with in D.C., all the older ones especially, all the ones who told me over and over again, you got to work clean, you got to hone your five minutes, and you got to go on Carson, and that's it. It all comes down to that. In one night, all of them were wrong. All of them were completely wrong, and not just wrong, those guys were unmoored. They, these guys were drifting. A lot of these bulletproof headliners that I opened for, men and women whose careers had seemed predestined, a lot of them... They never recovered from that night. You'll never hear their names. They had been sharks in a man-made pond, and now the water had been drained. They discovered they didn't have lungs, and they decided that their time had passed. All right? Now, keep that in mind for later. The most important part of that last sentence, they decided their time had passed. The second time everything I knew about comedy became worthless has been pretty much every day for about the last three years. 
Now, I know that's not an exact date. Some, some other comedian, some younger, as yet famous name. Maybe someone in this audience right now. Check under your seat. If you have a gold star, that'll be you. <laughs> you are going to pinpoint that day 20 years down the road from now. So, uh, but for now, every day for about the last few years is going to have to suffice. All right? That's the best I can do. And now, first, let me, before I explain that, I'm just going to give you a brief timeline of my career up to this point, all right, to when I realized it was all changing again, right? You know, here, here it goes. And listen very carefully to the words that I use. Two words are going to keep coming up over and over again, all right? And they're going to come back later along with that phrase, they decided their time will pass. I'm going to tie it all together. You people are going to carry me around the room like fucking Peter Gabriel, I'm telling you. <laughs> I was lucky enough to get hired on The King of Queens in 1998. I was nine years on that show. Money, great cast, even better writers, a lot of fun. I bought a house. Nice. Then I was lucky enough to get cast as a lead voice in a Pixar movie in 2007. Acclaim, money, I got to meet a lot of my heroes. Then I was lucky enough to get cast in the United States of Tara on Showtime. I got to watch Tony Collette work. That was incredible. Right? I got to perform Diablo Cody's writing. After which, I was lucky enough, because I did that, to get cast in Jason Reitman's Young Adult, which Diablo Cody wrote. And that's where I got to make out with Charlize Theron. I will use that as an icebreaker if I ever meet Christina Ricci. (laughs) I've been lucky enough to have been given specials on HBO, Comedy Central, and Showtime, as well as I've been lucky enough to... uh, be able to release records on major labels, and I was lucky that they approached me to do it, and that led to me being lucky enough to get Grammy nominations, right? I know that all sounds like a huge ego-stroking credit dump, but if you'd listen very carefully, you would have heard two words come up over and over again, lucky and given, and those are two very, very dangerous words for a comedian because those two words can put you to sleep, especially once you get a taste of both, of being lucky and being given. Because the days of luck and being given are about to end. They're about to go away. Not totally, all right? There's always going to be comedians who, through hard work, through, they're going to get noticed by agents and managers and networks and studios and directors and record labels. That, there will always be an element of that, all right? And they, they deserve their success, by the way. Every one of them that still makes it with that model deserves their success, and there's always going to be people that benefit from that, right? I hope it keeps happening. What I meant when I said that the days of luck and being given are about to end is this. Not being lucky and not being given are no longer going to define your career as a comedian and as an artist. Remember what I said earlier about all those bulletproof headliners who'd focused on their five minutes on The Tonight Show, and then when it ended, they decided their opportunity was gone? Well, that's just it. They decided. No one decided for them. They decided. Now, look at my career up to this point. Luck being given. Other people deciding for me. In the middle of the TV shows and the movies and the albums and the specials, I took a big chunk of my money, and I invested it in a little tour called The Comedians of Comedy. I put it together with my friends. We did small clubs. We stayed in shitty hotel rooms. We packed ourselves in this tiny van and drove around the country. The tour was filmed for a very low-budget documentary that I convinced Netflix to release. 
That became a very low-budget six-episode show on Comedy Central that I still own, that we all own a part of, me and the comedians. That led to a low-budget concert film that we released on DVD. When it was all over, I was exhausted. I was in debt. And I ended up with a wider fan base made up of the kind of people I always dreamed of having as fans. And I built that from the ground up, out of nothing, with friends and people I respected and was a fan of. And I realize now I need to combine both of the lessons that I've learned. I need to decide more career stuff for myself and make it happen for myself. And I need to stop waiting to luck out and to be given. I need to unlearn those muscles. And I'm seeing this notion taking form in a lot of my friends, a lot of you out there. Um, uh, in, in you, for instance, the comedian I'm writing to, your podcast is amazing. The little videos you're putting up on YouTube channel are getting better and better every single one that you make. Just like when we did open mics, you know, we better and better every week. Also, your Twitter feed's hilarious. <laughs> Listen, I'm doing the Laugh Trench in Milwaukee next week. Is there any chance for an RT? Signed, your friend, Patton Oswalt. Now, this is my second letter. Dear gatekeepers in broadcast and cable executive offices, focus groups, record labels, development departments, agencies, and management companies. Shalom. <laughs> Last month... <laughs> Last month... Last month, I turned in the script for a pilot I co-wrote with Phil Rosenthal, who's had a share of luck and success I can only dream of. Uh, thanks for the notes you gave me on the pilot script. I'm not going to be implementing any of them. And no, I'm not here to call you the enemy or the man, all right? I have, I have zero right to say that based on the breaks I've gotten from you over the years. If I tried to strike a Che Guevara pose you'd be correct in pointing out that the dramatic underlighting on my face was being reflected up from my swimming pool. <laughs> I am as much to blame for my uneasiness and realization of late that I'm part of the problem, that I'm half asleep and I'm more than half complacent. But I'm still not going to implement your notes. I'm quoting Phil Rosenthal on this next thing here, but he said, after we read your notes, and I'm quoting verbatim, we're living in a post-Louis world and these notes are from a pre-according-to-Jim world. <laughs> I just read a letter to my fellow comedians telling them what I'm about to tell you, but in a different way, and here it is. You guys need to stop thinking like gatekeepers. And you need to do it for the sake of your own survival. Because all of us, us comedians... After watching Louis C.K. revolutionize sitcoms and comedy recordings and live tours and listening to WTF with Mark Maron and Comedy Bang Bang and watching the growth of the UCB theater on two coasts and seeing careers being made on Twitter and YouTube, we're beginning to realize our careers don't hinge on someone in a plush office deciding to aim a little luck in our direction. There are no more gates They've disappeared. They're gone, all right? The model for success as a comedian in the 70s and 80s, that was middle school. Remember, they'd hand you a worksheet, fill in the blanks on the worksheet, hand them back in, you'll get your little points, and that in no way prepares you for college. College is the 21st century. 
College was show up if you want to or not. I'm not taking attendance. There's no fucking worksheets. There's an essay. There's a paper. There's a final. And that's it. And you decide how well you do on them. And then after you're done with that, you get even more autonomy whether you want it or not. Because you're a fucking adult now. Well, that is now happening. All right? We... The comedians and writers and performers and creators were getting more and more comfortable with the idea that if we're not successful, it's not because we haven't gotten our foot in the door or no one's given us a hand up. We can do that ourselves now. Every single day, we can do more and more without you and depend on you less and less. If we work with you in the future on TV shows or films or stand-up specials or albums, it's going to be because we like your product and your choices, and your commitment to pushing boundaries, and your ability to protect the new and difficult. So here's the deal, and I think it's a really good one, all right? I want you, all of the gatekeepers, to become fans. I want you to become true enthusiasts, like me. I want you to become thrill junkies. I want you to be as excited as I was when I first saw Maria Bamford stand up, or I attended the Paul F. Tompkins show, or heard Sklarborough Country, or read Marilyn Mudflap, or Shelby Farrow, or Megan Amram, or Char Starlene on Twitter. I want you to be as charged with hope as I am that we are looking at the most top heavy with talent young wave of comedians that this industry has ever had at any time in its history. And since this new generation was born into postmodern everything, they're wilder and more uncontrollable and fearless than anything you've ever dealt with. But remind yourselves, youth is no longer king. Content is king. Right? Lena Dunham's 26-year-old voice is just as vital as Louis C.K.'s 42-year-old voice, which is just as vital as Eddie Pepitone's 50-something voice. Age doesn't matter anymore. It's all about what you have to say, and the way that you're going to say it, and it's all being said right now in ways you've never heard. Please, please throw the old fucking model away. All this variety, just, just the tiny sampling that's at this amazing festival right now, all these voices in this audience right now, all of whom are better than mine, all of whom that are funnier than mine, I'm excited to not be the funniest guy in the room. It makes me work harder and try to be better at what I do. So be as excited and grateful as I am, all right? And if in the notes that you give me, and if in the model, and if in the opportunities you give me, you try to cram all of this wildness and all of this risk-taking back into the crappy, mimeographed worksheet form of middle school, here's what's going to happen. We're just going to walk away. We're not going to work together. No harm, no foul. We're not angry about it. No hard feelings. We can walk away. And you know why we can do that now? Because of this. Because of these. In my hand right now, I'm holding more filmmaking technology than Orson Welles had when he made Citizen Kane. <laughs> I'm holding almost the same amount of cinematography, post-editing, sound editing, and broadcast capabilities as you have at your TV network or studio. And in a couple of years, it's just going to be fucking equal. It's going to be fucking equal. I don't really know how to use this to its fullest potential, but I'm starting to learn because I see what's fucking coming. And you all need to start learning too. Right? This isn't a threat, gatekeepers. Right? This is an offer. 
We like to create. We are the ones who love to make shit all the time. You're the ones who love to discover it and patronize it and support it and nurture it and broadcast it. Just please get out of our way while we do it. Just get out of our way because we have these now. So if it, and, and by the way, here's another thing too. If you get out of our way and we fucking go out and fall on our face, we won't blame you like we used to in the past because we won't have taken any of your notes. It will truly be on us. And I don't know if you've seen the stuff that's being uploaded to YouTube. There are sitcoms now on the internet. Some of them are brilliant. Some of them are meh. Some of them outright fucking suck. At about the same ratio as things are brilliant and meh and sucky on your fucking network. (laughs) And if you think that we're somehow going to turn on you later if what we do falls on its face and blame you because we can't take fucking criticism, let me tell you something. We have gone through years of open mics to get where we need to get. Criticism is nothing to us. And comment threads are fucking electrons. (laughs) Signed, sincerely, Patton Oswalt. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. And that's a good point. It's, it's one that we've discussed on this show quite a bit, is that everyone now, with the technology that's very, very easily available, and it's something that Kevin Smith said too, the person I look up to, is everyone is their own content generator. And I've seen YouTube channels that probably pull more views than network television. It's simple as that, right? And like you said, uh, the so-called gatekeepers, they are soon to be obsolete with the, the stuff that's available and coming down the pipe. Well, even, like, solid ideas like um, Epic Mealtime, like, that's such a genius idea. Like, <laughs> like if you think about it, it's like they're doing what they love, and it's entertaining as mm-hmm. shit to watch, right? So, But you look at some of these, like, YouTube videos that are getting four or five million hits week after week after week. Like, networks would kill kill for shit like like viewership like that in my opinion because uh, they don't seem to get it anymore but and it's, it's just not as accessible that's the thing I can click into YouTube type happy uh, I can t- like click into YouTube type happy cat and I will find hundreds of 15 to 30 second videos of cats being cute happy well it's hopefully soon like especially like i would like to just go into netflix or some kind of tv os or my xbox one maybe and just type in felt up and be able to access the full season one yeah uh you know what i mean without having to well you will because felt up is on youtube isn't it simon that is correct. It is on YouTube. <laughs> there but you think, go. But I, as but an I think example, what you're I know trying what you're to saying. say is, like, yeah. any television program, even if it's currently airing, right? Well, yeah. Like, we've already discussed it before, like, the future yeah. of television on, on a cinephiles, but the fact is, like, that instead of waiting week after week after week after week, like, House of Cards on Netflix, boom, here's your full season. Yeah. Well, what, what, what here's about... Here's the hour, here's the 45-minute, well, what about half show. Look, look at like, Arrested Development. They're coming yeah. back with season like. four, and it's like all of their episodes are coming all at once on Netflix, yeah. which That's pretty much means people are going to be calling in sick to work that week. So. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I want to hear that. Uh, you said it was Patton Oswalt uh, uh, keynote Kino, speech. Keynote speech at uh, Just for Laughs. I think it was uh, 2012. But it's, it's really interesting. Like I, I, uh, it's he puts a he puts into words what I think everybody is kind of thinking right now uh, in terms of just like television and movies. And how, how fucking easy it is to make a movie if you end up 
and how hard it is and uh, to have that movie that you create end up being distributed. Yeah, that's the hump these days. I guess it's not not so much getting your film made; it's getting your film seen. Yeah, exactly. Jeez, ended on a really insightful note there, Simon. Well, uh, yeah, that. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> Pat Oswald's got some re- like he's a smart guy in his field. Uh, just on Netflix as well, Netflix production of the Comedians of Comedy tour. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. some great moments where he uh, is is talking sort of behind the scenes about that very kind of issue and. He's got some really good ideas. It's also funny because he totally, totally rips on radio in that <laughs> documentary. He does a morning show and he fucking just blows it right the fuck off. He's like, yeah, yeah, zany as fuck. Just do your thing. And I got a show coming out this week. The, uh, well, I was listening to a podcast. I believe he was either he was either Nerdist or What the Fuck with Mark Barron. And I was listening to him talk and, and I think... Like, I'm not going to take away that he's not a smart guy. He's a brilliant guy. But the fact that he's lived through it. He's experienced from yeah. the get-go. He's experienced. He had his show written, and he's waiting for the network to say yay or nay, hum and haw. And he had the show where he had to uh, fucking go over and say the network controlled it, and he was just the, the puppet to be on the face of the thing and blah, blah, blah. Right? He's lived through it all. Mm-hmm. There's one thing to be saved about experience, right? Things all back to me or anything. But in my experience, as a TV show person... <laughs> <laughs> own it, buddy. <laughs> fucking own it. That's right. Uh, uh, for Canadian television, I think there's fewer consequences because there, uh, there's less money uh, involved in uh, usually Canadian television. So that's why you end up seeing some, I, I think like there's some really great shows that have been produced and great movies that have been produced in Canada because they're super low budget. Like, you know, Trailer Park Boys or Kenny vs. Spenny. Uh, those are the only two I can think of, honestly. <laughs> well, they're fucking, those are great, man. I was Kids in the Hall, SCTV. I grew up on Kids in the Hall, yeah. Uh, Clone High was actually Canadian produced, too. Was undergrads Canadian produced? No. I believe so. I'm not entirely sure. Mm. But I know that for sure, Clone High, because I know that they really... Like, I guess it was... Nelvana it, Entertainment. Yeah, Nelvana produced it, but it was, like, American talent that was in it, right? So... Well, it was produced for the American teenage. Yeah, yeah. You know, accessible for the American I love that teenage. show. I think that was well, like... Audience. Fucking degree. Exclamation just, point yeah, USA was the city. for uh, two months. Or no, it was probably only like a month. For what, sorry? Oh, I, I interned at Nelvana. Yeah. They were producing like a, a... I can't even remember what they were making. The raccoons? A, I, I think that that place is... No, I'm not that old. <laughs> I, I, it was... I, it was kind of in the... Like in the... The bad days, right before they're, I, I think they're, they're shut down at this point. I might be wrong about that, but they're just a, uh, yeah. What it was like an amazing Canadian studio. Now it's, I, I don't know what they're making now. Yeah, well, I remember when um, uh, the U of A Student uh, Film Festival was running. We we brought in a guy from, uh, forget which. Uh, production company he came in from but essentially it was it, all of his stuff was uh, screening on uh, APN which is like the Aboriginal People's Network and it's just like it, it, they were just generating content it was like it, it was just a machine where they were just like okay we'll spit this out and this out and this out well, that's probably part of their condition but, of license but, but yeah they had like a something. native version yeah, but, of the but, trailer but, park boys yeah but the thing is like they really didn't care like they didn't care about views or viewership it production. was just like we, we have money so we're just gonna keep creating content right well but so. I'm also saying like to be able to keep on the air right yeah, like, yeah. It, might, it might have had to include you need to create their... 10 shows per exactly, season exactly yeah yeah, yeah. And, and thereby supporting local talent and local you know yeah. uh, issues blah 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 blah. 
<laughs> so it's, it's pretty complicated because I, I think for those they have to be producing new content. Uh, I, this, I, I also might be wrong about this, but for APN, uh, that's what that's what it's called, right? Yeah, APTN. 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 Uh, they have to be constantly creating new shows so that they have more creative people working. I think. So I, I don't think that a, there's ever a there's very rarely a, a television show that goes past like three seasons on that network. Because they they need to start producing like new shows constantly, so that's why I think uh, what was it? Caution making Kane nuts was only I think three seasons, and, and there um, there's a, another show that's being produced in, in Edmonton, and they're basically guaranteed three seasons, which means probably about eighteen episodes, but uh, they can't go past eighteen episodes basically. Do you ever see the? Uh the TV show about Fort McMurray that they put out. I actually don't know if it was on APTN, but it was a sitcom called Mixed Blessings, and it was totally just ripping off the Brady Bunch because it was like, he's what? a Christian white dad, she's a Native American woman, and they both have families, and they're going to see how it works right here in Fort McMurray. That's like, That's like Little Mosque on the two Prairie. Seasons. Yeah, one of the kids is like a beaver uh, puppet with like a <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. Simon just walks exactly. on the show. You stole my bit. <laughs> Drinking maple syrup. Yeah. All right, uh, Simon. Any final thoughts? Uh, thanks so much for having me on. I, I it's, it's funny because like I, uh, our, our show is uh, locally produced and everything, and we've we've gotten like not very much local press. So I just really appreciate you guys. Uh, letting me be on and talk to you. No, man, pleasure's all mine. I'm always, I'm always happy to bring you guys. Well, hold like, on, hold on. Hold you should go crash we... breakfast television with all your puppets. Oh, here you wait, wait. Todd wants credit. Well, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I don't want credit, but I think we can't have Simon Glassman on the podcast for the first time. I've heard about uh, Simon Glassman, and the first time I think he's heard about me. Okay, go on. <laughs> what was your story? I can't really remember it. Well, I was just going to talk about that epic uh, Thundercast podcast. Or oh, right. Yeah, you, you badmouthed Todd. I just remembered that. <laughs> oh, he's got beef to call you out. Okay. Yeah, there's beef. Yeah. So uh, wh- why don't you explain things, Todd? I don't know. I meant to listen to it before the wait, show. Wait, I, I, never did. I, I remember. I remember. Because I remember because Simon actually spoke very highly of me, which I appreciate. Because he was like... I remember that part. Because <laughs> we, we were talking about... I guess what happened was um, Simon went on Thunderfist... And on their podcast, which is a great show, by the way. Oh yeah, it's horrible that they don't do it. They're anymore. hilarious. Um, that it's Corey Holler, right? And Brent. Corey Holler, Brent who's Smith. also a contributor to Felt Up. Yep, yeah. Oh hey, right on. Well dressed man. And so, um, what happened was a uh, si- bow ties. Yeah, Simon. Simon was a guest on their show, and then um, I guess the topic of our podcast came up. And uh, I can't remember the the Thunderfist guys were like fuck those guys, and then Simon was like no 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 whoa, whoa, Tito's all right but yeah fuck Todd <laughs> <laughs> fuck this Todd'sky character so that, that was pretty much it <laughs> yeah I'm really- yeah, my, my, my clearest memory of that is that I uh, I was in the car with my girlfriend and then listening to your podcast because I I enjoyed Tito's movies and then Yay. I, I hear like Todd'sky was like oh that, uh, the I don't like the puppets. Oh right! Like, yes, oh, yes. I remember. If you don't like, if you don't like my movies, clearly you're a bad person. <laughs> oh man, this is the origin so, story. Uh, like, I, I told guy. Corey about it when I was going to be on his podcast. Yes, yeah. Like, should totally just bash them, and I was like, <laughs> uh, no, let's not do that. 
But okay. And then he did it anyway, as parties <laughs> want to do. And yeah, I, I honestly, I, I, I don't uh, have any sort of feelings with you uh, for not liking my film, or uh, at, at one point not liking my films, maybe. Because oh. uh, like honestly, I feel like uh, after I won the first Metro, and it was, I, I was just so shocked to have won. I think that I, I felt like personally, like very, very. very I don't know, a little bit self-conscious about having one because I, I, I personally didn't feel like I maybe maybe deserved it that year because I think we were, uh, there was like Mike Roberts and Tito and all these people who had been uh, with Metro for so much longer. So I, I, I felt like you were kind of voicing my own insecurity. So like, <laughs> like yeah, I, I think that it was more me being angry with myself. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I have any any ill feelings towards you, but uh, we did bash you, which I oh, dude, for. don't never feel bad about it. I think it's absolutely hilarious. A, it turned me on to a, a great podcast. Uh, if you see Corey, tell him kudos. We missed Thunderfist. Tell him to, to do it again. I'd love to have him. I love to be. Yeah, on like the, the last one was like the we search for Spock. Yeah, they did this whole time travel gimmick. <laughs> and then they stopped doing the podcast. But uh, in all serious, Simon, like there was no. I can finally sleep better now. Uh, it's been like a year and a half, and I've been like kicking cats and like cutting my wrists. <laughs> and, uh, but now that to hear you say that, no, I'm just kidding, buddy. It, it, it was all in good fun. Uh, I think at the time, I think you beat us for a film. I can't remember which one. And I, uh, the Simon won. I think that Metro with that. Specific felt up, and it was like, oh well, no. What happened was, if I re- if I recall, uh, Simon, that that was the night that dinner at my place, which Ryan is amazing in. Um, uh, it was one with me, was it you? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was dinner at my place. Anyway. But what happened was that one won the night, but that was the season finale, and that's the one where Simon. Yes, that's exactly what it was because you won the season, Simon. You like dominated uh, all of us. I won the night, you won the season, and then when I came back and I told you the story of everything, you were like, oh, well, Felt Up wasn't that good. And I'm like, dude, it was really good. What <laughs> no, are you talking was, about? Uh, if you've – anyone that heard the podcast or anyone that knows me very well, like uh, I'll sit there and I'll watch something by myself and just be like, okay, that was either meh or, or whatever. And then I'll watch it with a group, a theater full of people. And it'll completely change my perspective. And I really do think environment enhances the movie. Well, what he's trying to say is he's weak-willed, Simon. <laughs> no, what I'm trying to say is watching that the full felt up that we had in last year's IFF was an amazing experience. Because the fact that Tito's not kidding when we had grown men with tears in their fucking eyes because this was an hilarious, hilarious. Well, show. I remember being a little bit worried about it too because that had the one that I badmouthed in it. <laughs> because um, uh, Simon, uh, I, like, it's it's really interesting to see how like people have kind. Of have come together over this interplay film festival thing but um like especially last year people were really getting into it and i was a little bit worried about screening felt up because of the content but holy crap man it just won the crowd over like i'm not i'm not trying to give you a hand job or anything but it honestly like it dominated he's trying to give you a hand job <laughs> if you have a hand job to give me i will not i will not he did say his girlfriend was away blue penises <laughs> <laughs> But no, it, it was all in good fun, Simon. I had no hard feelings, buddy, and I just wanted to make sure you had no hard feelings towards me. Oh, definitely. I, I definitely still have so many hard feelings. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't have any hard feelings, and I think that you and Corey were, as I think mentioned by uh, Tito, sort of meant for each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, probably. It's it's another it's another Edmonton me. <laughs> I, well, I would really I would really love to see those guys coming. I guess, and also Simon, if you ever want to come back on the podcast, man, you're always welcome. 
Uh, oh, thanks so much. I, I love talking about movies, and I, I, uh, I've been in RoboCop versus the Nazis a lot, uh, but I, I feel, I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I, I'm always the person who asks to be on. Well, here, so I, here, here's an invite. Why don't you come up to the, uh, if, you, if you have the time, why don't you come up to the IFF this year, this, this, uh, this summer? Yeah, that, that sounds like fun. I, I can't promise anything right now, but I'd, I'd love to. Come on, spend some of that network money. <laughs> okay, I, Bring I'm your $2 gonna, I'm just going to set the record straight. I have, uh, last week I had 25 cents in my bank account. No, and see, this is what, this is what Byte TV told him to tell him. They're like, don't tell people you got money because then people are going to ask I, you for that I, money. I went to my bank and I, I looked at my, my, uh, my receipt and I was like, I have 25 cents in my bank account, and I'm an adult. <laughs> it's okay. It happens all the time. Uh, no, uh, uh, hey, it's in a bank account and not in your pocket, right? I had several thousand dollars in my pocket. <laughs> How else am I going to light these cigarillos? <laughs> but no, the, the, the invite is there, man. Uh, like I said, jump on the show anytime. We'll, we do cinephiles. We can just chit-chat bullshit about movies. And come on up to the IFF this year or whenever we have a film event and, and bullshit about movies there, too. Yeah, man. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Cool. Well, uh, when we uh, watch Man of Steel, I'll get a hold of you and see if you've seen it yet. And we'll see if we can't work something out. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am still excited about that movie. I am. I'm totally excited. I'm, uh, I'm crossing my fingers for it. The fucking trailer is giving goosebumps. Like that's that's intense. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it. It actually kind of looks like a Terrence Malick film. Uh, like from that's the trailer, you know, like, he's in a, like a boat. And he's fishing. <laughs> he's got a beard. It's like Deadliest Catch Superman style. <laughs> <laughs> He jumps into the water, collects all the crabs. Cool. You got anything, Todd? Uh, no, I was just going to say, uh, uh, no, I got nothing. Awesome. Do you want to close this out, Todd? Um, well, no, I was going to say give Simon one last chance to uh, uh, pimp his stuff. Where can they find you, man? Uh, you can find all the uh, current episodes and uh, the newest episode, Technology, on Byte.ca. Or ByteTV.ca. And I, I should know this. ByteTV.ca. Uh, if you... If you search Byte in Byte TV in your uh, Google toolbar. Uh, you will find their show eventually. <laughs> <laughs> the um, okay, uh, got they got you on Twitter. How can they get you on Twitter? Are you a Twitter man? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, at Simon Puppet. I'm currently we have two different Twitters. There's uh, Simon at Simon Puppet and then at Joe Duh Puppet, uh, where my my puppet roommate has his own Twitter handle. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Yeah, he's a big goofball. Oh, right on. Uh, anything else you want to pimp out right now? Uh, uh, yeah, season three of Game of Thrones, man. That just <laughs> everybody watch just that show. It's so great, so well written, so good, man. When she fought the bear, it's amazing. She fought a bear. A lady fought a. I know. I'm gonna start the Facebook campaign to get that chick to make sure she's doing more nude scenes. Yeah, that'll work. I <laughs> gotta think about humanity, man. Ash, any final thoughts? No. Right on, okay, Steve. Uh, you know what? I've got a confession, actually. <laughs> this is not a good last thought, but I actually haven't seen any of Felt Up yet, Simon. Man, so I'm, I've got homework tonight. Oh, I've been uh, at, yeah. I've been at each one of the film festivals here in town, but never on the right night. Yeah, check it out. It's a, it's pretty okay. That's <laughs> all right. We've just you know been it's talking about it for the last hour. Chuckle worthy. That's all right. Tito. Uh. Thanks for approaching me, Simon. Actually, honestly, I would have invited you on the show sooner. I just figured you'd be too busy with all your cigarellos and $1,000 bills. 
It's it's funny that you now define me by having a lot of money and smoking. Well, you know that, that's that's the that's the goal I'm, I'm going to put up there because that's what I want to reach. Bench, but... <laughs> okay, cool guys. Uh, before we close it out, uh, so yeah, uh, check us out as well uh, on Twitter at Wyman Podcast, Facebook.com/slash Wyman Podcast, our YouTube channel. We're trying to get up to Simon Glassman standards, so it's YouTube.com/slash Wyman Podcast. <laughs> Uh, and also, we like emails. Uh, show at ymmpodcast.com. I think that's everything. We hit everything. Yeah. Simon, thank you very much. So, for this episode of the YMM Podcast, I'm Totsky. I'm Tito. I'm Ashcake. I'm Steve. Simon. <laughs> See you next time. YMM Podcast is a T-Man Entertainment production. In association with Hyperphotonic Media. Find us at hyperphotonicmedia.com. Oh, fuck. Thank <laughs> you.